Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the second episode of Spooky SLV Podcast. My name is Brad Hicks, and I will be your host. Tonight, we have several submissions, people who were gracious enough to actually let me tell, say their names on, on the podcast as well. Uh, first three very short stories are from a Michael Latencio. He has uh, several of his stories on uh, Haunted Encounters of the SLV on Facebook, if you want to check it out. And here we go. August 1988. My brother and I were driving in our pickup truck to Brook Fishing location when we came over a rise in the road that overlooked a large meadow valley. I looked to the bottom of the meadow when I noticed a fully grown dead cow with some type of bird feasting on the carcass. Not wanting to spook the bird, we stopped the truck and started looking through binoculars at the animal. It appeared to be a vulture or eagle looking bird except it was huge. When it turned to look at us, it spread its wings, which were longer than the head-to-tail size of the cow it stood on by at least four feet. It had an eagle-looking head with a monster-sized beak and appeared to have brownish-gold-colored feathers. It stared at us for about 45 seconds, then let out a screeching call and flapped its wings powerfully as it flew over us. We could hear its enormous wings whooshing over us like a helicopter as it cleared the tree line into the horizon like a Cessna-sized airplane. We both looked at each other speechless and terrified at what had just happened. 2. June 1981. My wife and I decided to take a hike of about two miles from our cabin to take photographs of a small glacier in a canyon. The glacier never melts and spring water runs off of it into the streams below the alpine meadows below it. It was a beautiful and clear sunny day and we took lots of nature photographs. When we arrived at the glacier we both posed for photos in front of it and took several pictures with my Nikon camera. When we processed the film about a week later, my wife noticed something in one of the pictures. While I was posing in front of the glacier there was a small metallic football sized UFO hovering above my left shoulder. 3. August 2020 My friend and I and my friend and I had just completed a morning of brook fishing and after cleaning our fish we decided to go eat our lunch at the campsite clearing. When we arrived at camp we both sat in our camp chairs outside and started eating our sandwiches and drinking a beer when we started hearing a sputtering loud engine noise coming from over the ridge of trees where we were at. It kept getting louder and louder when suddenly we saw a huge silver colored propeller airplane coming scraping the treetops over us. The roaring, sputtering plane flew over us at about 25 feet, and it was solid, gleaming silver. No markings, with three propellers on each wing. It looked to be the size of a modern 747. It was also had a huge bomb bay. It just kept flying low and slow over the trees into the next ravine and slowly faded away into the distance. My friend, who was a World War II veteran, looked at me and said, That was a World War II super tanker bomber plane. How the hell did it get here? I just sat there looking towards the ridge and hearing the engine noise fade away. Thank you, Michael, for those stories. Those are interesting, to say the least. Next story is called The Tall Man from Julie Chacon. One night I went to pick up my cousin from work and driving back home near the Moffat Crestone intersection, I noticed the silhouette of a man crossing the road about two miles in front of me. I was able to see it in my headlights and the headlights from an oncoming vehicle. 
When I got closer, I looked everywhere for that man, asked my cousin about it. He said he had no idea what I was talking about. I asked, you didn't see the tall man with the cowboy hat cross the road? He said no and laughed. Later down the road, he looked at me and said, you really saw something, didn't you? Randomly, I feel like I still see that shadow in my home when I least expect it. Nice Next story is called Hoofbeats by Isaiah Wilson. About three years ago, my cousin and I were heading back to Alamosa from a night of gambling at the casino in Taos. It was a little past midnight and we were about maybe 10 to 20 miles south of San Antonio Mountain on the road heading north. I was driving and my cousin was on the passenger side of my black Nissan Altima. As we were heading home, the music all of a sudden turned off. The power in the system completely shut off, which was not normal. As I looked down for a quick second, I immediately looked up and noticed a huge creature standing on four legs facing north, with my high beams on and going about 55 or so. I had seen that this was not an elk because of the upper torso. It all happened so fast, the radio shutting off, my power and engine completely powering out. And before I could get a good look at what seemed like a horseman, my cousin and I were left in complete darkness without a vehicle in sight. As the car rolled to a stop, I thought I was going to hit this thing, but nothing. I told my cousin, let's get out and push the car to the side of the road before someone hits us. As we got out, I heard hooves running into the darkness of the night east of our location. My cousin was just as creeped out as I was, but we pushed the car off the road and immediately told him, let's pop the hood. Right as I said that, all electricals came back on as if nothing had happened. When we jumped into the car and started right up and drove off straight back to Alamosa. We both talked and tried to guess what we had seen, but he and I did not get a clear view of this being. I just thank my higher power that I excuse me. I just thank my higher power and was glad we didn't wreck that night, or who knows what could have happened. Thank you, Isaiah. Uh, next story comes from Maria Olivas Montoya. I call it the Closet Man. My experience took place in Monta Vista. We lived in a beautiful white house with a large front porch that had columns on the sides of the house. That was far off the ground, which I loved to spend time on. I used to sit and read a book or watch traffic pass by. I loved it during the day, and we had a big yard, a garden, and a tire swing that I'd play on till dark. But once dark hit, it was a completely different house. As a child, I dreaded the night to come because it meant I had to go inside our different house. Uh, excuse me, I had to go inside our home. Where I felt unwanted, even hated, by the ghosts that resided in it. At night, we would not get up to get a glass of water. We would not go to the restroom or even uncover our feet or heads at night. We would lay down praying for sleep to reach us quickly. In our three-bedroom home, there was a man who lived in our room with us that would... lived in... Um, excuse me. We would lay down at night praying for sleep to reach us quickly. In our three-bedroom home, there was a man who lived in our room with us that would fill our closet entranceway that would pull our hair and feet at night, and he would glare at us while we were laying in bed. 
If we had to get up because our bladder were about to explode, we would have to run past him hoping he wouldn't see the women sitting in the rocking chair in the dining room knitting at times. He would pull our hair. He was mean and nasty. And he would tell our mom, we would tell our mom about him and would ask if we could sleep in her room, but she would never see him when she slept in our room with us. But one time, especially, one time especially that I will never forget is the time the man in the closet left the room to torment us in the living room. My parents happened to to have been celebrating because some friends had come back to the valley and invited everybody over, including all the kids of the friends, which was fun and exciting for us, as well as a sleepover, but apparently the man in the closet was not happy. We were all gathered in the living room because our parents had sent us to bed because it was late and time for us to settle down and sleep, so we were deciding who's sleeping where, and of course, us being the little guys had to go sleep in the room and not the big not with the big kids in the living room i was scared because my big sister usually slept in the room with us so i was restless and nervous for the outcome of the night so i tossed and turned and some more and i decided to go sneak with the big kids and i was getting up going past the lady knitting on the rocker i heard something behind me when i felt my hair being yanked and i was lifted up in the air I started screaming and the big kids in the living room were startled and woken up and saw me dangling in the air by the silhouette of a man holding me by the hair. I was screaming and crying and the big kids were crying as well. And one of them ran out to get our parents to tell them what happened but they said they needed to stop watching scary movies. Thankfully in 95 we moved out of that nightmare home and to this day I have to pass it every morning and I still get scared passing by. Thank you, Maria. Faceless Hitchhiker by Jeff Romero. I was coming from Taos, headed to Colorado Springs to have Thanksgiving at my mom's. I was on the west side of the pass trying to get to the other side before dark. I had traveled the pass many times since I was a young boy. And I was always warned by my mom not to travel the pass at night. On this occasion, however, I was too late. It was starting to snow, getting dark, I was still several miles from the top, where it turns into a two-lane. I looked on the right-hand shoulder and saw what I thought was a female hitchhiker. I thought to myself, she probably needs a safe ride to Berg, being Walsenberg. So I started to pull over. I didn't feel right about it and started to get a chill up my spine. And then it happened. I looked in the rearview mirror and it was light enough to see inside the hoodie she was wearing. I looked and I saw nothing. No eyes. No lips, no nose, nothing. And yet it was a face. I backed up even more to get a better look, and the closer I got, the more I realized that this thing was not human. I was frozen as it started moving closer at an extremely fast pace. I was in a state of shock, so I prayed in my mind. Finally, the spell broke. And I stepped on the gas, leaving dirt in that thing's face, whatever it was. But I was shaken. I had to stop for an hour at the loafing jug in Walsenburg. To this day, I will not travel the pass at night or without protection. That's a good one. <laughs> Last one I'll read for tonight. Rather long. La Llorona by Pat Padilla. Excuse me, Pete Padilla. 
When I was growing up, every summer my dad would take us camping west of Magote, near Fox Creek. The campground, Canaeus Campground. My family friendly, excuse me, the campground, Canaeus Campground, was family friendly and we kids could explore as well as play in the Canaeus River which ran along its edge. I don't know how mom did it, but she managed to keep five rambunctious Padilla kids safely entertained. One day our parents kept us in line, one way our parents kept us in line was telling us supposed ghost stories which would make us kids behave strictly out of fear. One of the most used ghost stories was La Llorona. We were told that La Llorona, like Chincha, a borracha who lived in the outskirts of Anito, was a poor lady from the nearby valley who couldn't afford to feed her kids during the Great Depression. And as a result of her poverty, she threw them into the Canaes River rather than watch them starve. According to the story, the deaths of her children caused her great pain, and in her infinite grief, she walked the banks of the river looking for her dead children's ghosts, hoping to reconnect with them. But as she walked the river in her despondent grief, she cried a wailing moan, hence the name La Llorona, the crying lady. For a while, the story frightened all of us kids enough to scare us into behaving during the nights we sat around the fire and enjoyed the campsite. But after a while, as we grew older and learned that there was no Santa or Easter Bunny, we started to believe that perhaps there was also no Yalorona. Thus, we got brave enough to venture to the outer regions of the campsite after dark, exactly the behavior La Llorona was supposed to suppress. <clears throat> also, my oldest brother and her relatives liked to play scary tricks on kids knowing how gullible we were. But soon enough, we learned to be skeptical of any ghosts on account of such just being one of the older relatives attempting to scare us. So one night, after dark, my sister, my younger brother, and I decided to go exploring around the campsite. Normally, what we'd do is explore while keeping the campfire in view. That way, we'd have a reference as to how to return safely back to camp. This one night I'm referring to, we three were exploring relatively far from the campsite. And we saw what we thought was someone walking towards us with a flashlight. We could definitely see the round patterned light coming towards us and thus figured it was one of the adults returning to the campsite after doing their business away from the tents and station wagon. Because we weren't afraid of ghosts now, we started asking whoever it was to identify themselves. We got no reply. So we asked again for the person to identify themselves. Again, no reply. Yet the circle of light kept coming towards us. Eventually we stopped asking and each decided to hide behind a tree trunk or to perhaps avoid detection and maybe even put a scare to whomever was refusing to communicate with us. But as each of us hid behind the tree and observed the circle of light come towards us, we noticed that the light source had no human connection. The light was some sort of blurry orb without a person anywhere near it. We all froze in disbelief as the light passed close to us, sort of hovering off the ground as it passed by. But as it passed by, the air grew intensely cold and a breeze accompanied the orb as it passed. We three observers froze in place in frightened disbelief. After it passed, we ran as fast as we could back to the campsite. None of us wanted to tell of what we'd seen out of fear that perhaps our parents were right 
Maybe there were ghosts around that area like La, La, La Llorona. To this day, we three siblings have never spoke to anyone about what we witnessed. Although we hadn't heard any wailing, perhaps there was something paranormal roaming the woods besides La Llorona. Those are the stories for tonight. I've got a few others for the next episode. One is actually a ghost story of my own. My own account of uh, what we saw when I lived in Monta Vista. Which you guys will get to hear on the next episode. As for tonight, I'm done. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the stories. And uh, we'll talk at you on the next one. Everyone, thanks for listening to the podcast tonight. I just want to remind you that I am still looking for submissions. I'm looking for allegedly true stories, ghost stories, UFO, cryptid tales, Bigfoot, whatever you got. I'm also looking for creepypastas, horror stories, sci-fi stories, all fiction that I can read along on the podcast. If you do have a story or a uh, tale you want to tell, please just email me at Spooky SLV podcast at gmail.com. Thanks. Disclaimer All stories read tonight are allegedly true. The podcast has no way of determining if they are true or not. We take people at their word. Also, if it is a fiction story, you will be told it is fiction. If it is an allegedly true story, you'll hear the disclaimer at the end like you're doing right now. Thanks.